Thank you for tuning in to the Royals in Action broadcast today. Your participation means a lot to us. The essence of this program is to educate you on how to apply the Word of God practically to bring about positive outcomes in your daily situations. And joining us for this insightful journey is R.K. Achina. To cover as much territory as I can, I'm going to be in Genesis 44. And I'm going to share what the Lord told me to tell you. I'm so, so excited about that because this message is a message of revival. This is a message of regeneration. And I'm super excited to share this with you. Uh, first of all, I want to remind you of some facts concerning Jacob and his son Joseph's relationship before we delve into the Bible reading. I believe personally that it was more, more than a father-son relationship. Genesis 37 verse 3 says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. And that's because Joseph had been born to him when he was old. Not only that, he also made him a distinctive multicolored tunic. I believe that even though Jacob loved all of his sons, he had a special fire, some sort of zeal, some sort of energy for Joseph. And this special fire, this special enthusiasm was shown in verse 34 after he had the fake death report of Joseph. Verse number 34 says, Jacob tore his clothes in grief, put on a sackcloth, and mourned many days for his son. Since then, Jacob was a broken man, and that special fire seemed to have gone out. But when he heard Joseph was alive, something happened. And that's exactly what I want us to look at. Open to Genesis 45, verse 25 through 27. Genesis 45, from 25 to 27. And I read, So they went up from Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob, their father. And they said to him, Joseph is still alive. And indeed, he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. But Jacob was stunned, and his heart almost stopped beating because he did not believe them. When they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. Underline the word revived. Jacob revived. He revived. He got the fire back. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about the subject get your fire back get your fire back amen i'm pretty sure that if not all of us most of us here today have been through a lot of devastating times the attacks the adversities 
the afflictions, you know, the broken hearts, and the excruciating pains. And whether these struggles were due to your own mistakes or because of sin or bad luck, these may have extinguished that initial blazing fire you had for the things of God. Some of you are used to pray and read the Bible almost every day. But now it seems you're completely turned off. In the past, you used to communicate with God, meditate on His Word, and spend lots of quality time with Him. But now it seems you barely have the time. And like Jacob, the fire that kept you so excited about God and things of God might have gone out entirely. But I've got good news for you today. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said, I've got good news for you today. God is going to restore that fire today. Oh, you didn't hear that. I said, God is going to restore that fire today. By the end of today's service, there's going to be a divine restoration. And that fire will live again. Can I hear an amen? The spirit of their father Jacob revived. It revived. Let's look at the word revive or revival for a moment. First, I'd like us to consider what revival isn't. Because, tell you what, there are a lot of misconceptions out there about this word, which are not completely true. Number one, revival isn't about getting sinners saved. Mm hmm. Revival isn't about getting sinners saved. Some people think revival means hosting crusades and outreaches to get sinners to respond to an altar call and turn their lives to Christ. No, that's not revival. That's evangelism. That's reaching out to people with the gospel of salvation and having them confess their sins and take Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. That's evangelism. And that's what the evangelists do. Revival is not evangelism. Revival is not getting sinners saved. It's totally different. Number two, revival is in rededication. Now, rededication refers to the decision to return to Christ after falling away from the godly ways. Or simply the act of restoring your godly ways and can I say this most people don't really know what rededication is in fact I know some people who after committing a habitual sin rededicate their lives to Jesus others go even further repeating the sinners prayer again and again and again when they realize they're lying too much, they say the sinner's prayer. After too much fornication, they say the sinner's prayer. After too much stealing, smoking, and drinking, they say the sinner's prayer. That's not rededication, that's ignorance. Yeah, that's a fact, that's ignorance. Once you say the sinner's prayer for the first time, you are born again. Your old sinful nature dies 
and the new nature takes over. So when you keep repeating the sinner's prayer, you're just telling God you don't believe you're truly born again. Listen to me. Being born again took care of your spirit. The new spirit you have right now is the God's kind of spirit. If you're having trouble with sin, don't bother your spirit. It is your head that needs bothering. It is your mind that needs renewing. Amen. Again, rededication is not the same as revival. Rededication in the Old Testament was a familiar event in the Jewish history called renewing of the covenant. For example, in Deuteronomy, we see Moses having the new generation renew their covenant with the Lord. The same is true for Joshua and Samuel. They all had the people of Israel do the same thing in their time. They renewed their covenant with the Lord. Although rededication played a vital role in the Old Testament, it is still beneficial today. But you see, rededication is corporal. Something that a whole church handles, not just one individual. Revival, on the other hand, is personal. Something that the Holy Spirit is responsible for. Galatians 6 verse 1. Paul is speaking to the Galatian church here. And I read, Brothers, note, not one person, plural. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any sin, you who are spiritual, that is, you who are responsive to the guidance of the Spirit, are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, not with a sense of superiority or self-righteousness. Who should restore? The person himself? No. The Holy Spirit? No. The pastor? No. Then you who? You, the church. The spirit-led ones in the church. They are the ones who are assigned this role to restore the person. Interestingly, the word restore, as used here, is from the Greek word kartartiso, which means to set a broken bone. The word comes from the idea of treating a broken bone. A broken bone doesn't heal instantly. It takes some time, possibly weeks, if not months. What I'm trying to say here is that when you need rededication, don't go to God asking to restore your broken bone. That's the church responsibility. The church is a hospital for spiritual broken bones. We have the mandate to handle these broken bones and help people heal. But how discouraging to see some pastors 
call on Christians, spirit-filled believers, to step forward to rededicate their lives to Christ. How incredible. When you think about it, those who choose to rededicate their lives that way will find it so difficult to stick to their formal God's ways. This is because they will assume that rededication happens instantly until they return home and find themselves doing the same old sinful things again. Prayer won't fix their spiritual broken bones. That's the Old Testament tradition. Now God has directly instructed us on how to go about this. The spirit-led individuals in the church, including the pastor and the staff, are responsible for setting these spiritual bones. Like I said, it will take some time for these bones to heal. But once they are completely repaired, once they are completely healed, the believer who was overtaken in fault will return to their former godly ways, even much stronger than before. Hallelujah. And that's rededication. So revival, on the other hand, is the duty of the Holy Spirit. God has specially given charge to the Holy Spirit to revive us. In the book of John chapter 6 verse 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh conveys no benefit. It is of no account. So as you can clearly see, the S is capitalized on the word spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit, not the human spirit. I'll get into details in a bit. Just to remind you, we are still looking at the misconceptions about revival. Number three, revival is not emotion-based. Revival is not emotion-based. It is useful to mention that a lot of individuals in the church today measure their spiritual growth based on how they feel. On Sunday morning, they're in church. Pastor Sam's revival message got them on fire, got them hyped up. Thank you, Jesus. I'm revived right now. I can feel it. Praise God. I can feel your presence right now. Holy Spirit, I can feel it. Whoosh! Somebody help me. The anointing. Whoosh! The next day, when they feel emotionally down, they assume that the fire they got last Sunday has disappeared. They go like, I can't feel the fire anymore. His presence is gone. What must I have done wrong? Oh boy, I need another revival. Oh boy, I need the Holy Spirit's presence. Man, if this is you, you gotta repent, amen? Yeah. <laughs> 
that's not revival first off once you're a born-again Christian the Holy Spirit doesn't leave your body he's totally sealed in your body until Christ returns amen Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and as a result believed in him, were stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, the one promised by Christ as owned and protected by God. Hallelujah. Second, the presence of God isn't felt as a feeling, but is instead sensed in a more intangible way. <laughs> there are two different things. I understand that sometimes you can sense God's presence in church or through worship, which can bring joy, chills, goosebumps or even tears i understand that but that doesn't mean you felt the presence of god necessarily what normally occurs is that the emotional part of your soul responds to the sensitivity of god's presence with joy chills and butterflies you see when the sense of God's presence fades, the chill responds phase two. Again, you sense God's presence rather than feeling it. Look, you are made up of three things, body, soul, and spirit. The body is your physical house, amen? The spirit is the real you. When I mention your name, Isaac, I'm referring to the real you, not your physical house. When an individual is murdered, the police don't ask, where is Sam? They always say, where is his body? <laughs> Am I right? So if that's Sam's body, then where is Sam? Well, probably in hell or heaven, <laughs> depending on whether he got saved before he died. Amen. <laughs> Another spooky example. If your head and body are separated and are lying on the floor, how do you call each of them? Oh, this is Peter, but that I don't know. Of course not. You will always say this is Peter's head and that is Peter's body. <laughs> so then where is Peter? Mm -hmm. Where is Peter? If you're catching this, let me hear an amen. So the real you is the spirit. And the soul comprises three items. Your will, your mind, and your emotions. Kenneth Hagin puts this in the right perspective by saying with the spirit we contact the spiritual realm 
with the body we contact the physical realm and with the soul we contact the intellectual and emotional realm now let me ask you this if god is a spirit being won't his presence be in the spiritual realm mm-hmm tell me and if that is a yes how then could you contact the spiritual realm with your feelings or emotions that doesn't really make sense does it it doesn't so god's presence gotta be sensed with your spirit not your soul or emotions Revival is not emotion-based, it is spirit-based, amen? Amen! Your emotional high and lows should not be the basis of deciding if you need revival. My time is up and we're gonna, we're gonna have to pause here, amen? amen? I hope you enjoyed the subject so far. Next week, we'll take a closer look at what revival actually is and the protocol steps to take to get your fire back. Thank you for joining us in this enlightening journey today. Before we wrap up, subscribe to our podcast so you're kept in the loop about our next amazing episodes. To join our community or support our ministry, click the link in the description or visit royalsinaction.org. Until next time, Royals in Action is here to remind you to embrace your destiny as a chosen channel of God's royalty. God bless you.